May we have your attention, please? Rail Industry Standard 3119 Tom Issue 3 carries the title Accident and Incident Investigation. It sets out the requirements and guidance for investigation of adverse events. Its synopsis in the standards catalog on the RSSB website says this document sets out requirements and guidance for the investigation of adverse events so that system improvements necessary to prevent or reduce the likelihood of recurrence or mitigate the consequences are identified and implemented. Actually, I've missed out six words. They are involving more than one duty holder. Those six words effectively rule out the standards application to incidents off the rail network. And yet, between 2009 and 2019, half of our workforce fatalities, that's 10 people, died as the result of a road traffic collision. As an industry, we know the only way to prevent incidents from happening again is to understand the factors that led up to them. And we can't do that unless we investigate. The rail industry now has a road risk group set up to look at how we can reduce the level of risk involved in road driving while at work. And one of its challenges is to improve the quality and quantity of data we have about road traffic incidents, not just collisions, but close calls and near misses as well. That need was highlighted by Andrew Drury in podcast episode 40, Road Traffic Collisions and Legal Privilege. But today we're talking about how to conduct an effective investigation when a collision has happened. To that end, I'm joined by Jill Milner, Technical Practice Leader for Casualty with Insurance Company Aviva. Welcome, Jill. Would you please tell us a bit about yourself and your involvement with Road Risk? Hi, Anne. Yes, thank you very much. I'm Jill Milner and I've worked in insurance and industry for over 20 years. And in that role, I've done investigations from the health and safety and also from road traffic investigation side of things. So trying to work when I was in industry, understanding what caused the incidents and to try and look at how we can put in different measures to prevent reoccurrences And when I've moved into the insurance side, it's the same. It's working with our clients to understand how they undertake road traffic collision investigations and be able to provide them with support and guidance and advice on how to actually undertake robust road traffic collision investigations because we want to make sure that people don't just focus solely upon the driver but actually look at all the other factors that are involved in road traffic collisions. Even at Viva, we've sort of got our own definition for road traffic collisions. And what we've called them is a collision is a rare, random, multi-factor event always preceded by a situation in which one or more road users have failed to cope with the environment. I think that's a perfect description, just sort of for anybody looking to do investigations, to think about that it's not just what's happened, it's understanding all those different multi-factors that have actually led to the driver failing to cope with the environment or other situations that have gone on that has resulted in an actual collision. Jill, thank you very much for that. How soon after a collision or incident occurs should you start investigating and what's the process? Following an incident, what should happen is the when it's a road traffic collision, the driver should contact their insurer or their accident management company immediately, as well as their line manager. And it should 
then from there be straight away to start that investigation process. What we talk about in motor is the early report to insurers of the golden hour, getting things reported as soon as possible. But also from the rail sector, what the key part of that is that you can actually get to your driver to be able to support them, to want to speak to them, and also be able to get as much information from them straight away. Because in their memory is what has happened is there and available for them to actually tell you what's gone on and what's happened because the mind can play tricks on people and people can then think things didn't happen or in a different order. And so the sooner that you can actually start speaking to your drivers, if it's safe to do so, obviously, is as soon as possible is the real key that we always say. And also by understanding, you can give the driver the support that they need and then you can start the investigation. And when you start the investigation, we look at it as in five stages. So first of all, we look at the event as it takes place. So the collision occurs and that's the reporting through and gathering some information immediately from the driver, sort of where are you, understanding what happened, the times, if any weather, etc., And then we start going on to gathering the information. So with road traffic collisions, if you've got telematics in the vehicle, it's getting that information and information available to you. So the telematics will tell you how that driver was driving pre the actual collision occurring. And you can actually go back a bit further to actually understand how they were driving pre the actual event occurred. You can then gather information about the training that drivers had, if they've done a following incident drug and alcohol testing, and also asking questions to that driver at the interview stage in a driver debrief. So it could be one or the other that a business may do. So the initial debrief is just gathering all that information about what happened and trying to get as much as you can from the driver. We always recommend that you don't just say to them, oh, tell me what happened, because it's always best if you can actually get them to actually go out of sequence of what actually did happen because people often have it ready in their heads to explain exactly what happened. But also sometimes they can miss certain key elements of what happened if they just tell it in the same order that they've got ready to explain it to you. So by that, what I mean is there's almost starting off with asking, how are you? How are you feeling? Because that is a paramount bit of the investigation to check that the person's okay. And then it's almost like, oh, what were you doing this morning? What time did you start work? So taking it out of the sequence of not just concentrating on that element of the actual collision and the incident that's taken place, it's actually looking at it in a bigger piece. I would say the way I look at it is looking at like an onion. So when you cut the onion in, you've got lots of rings. In the middle is where the collision is. And then you need to look at all the other elements that actually come into play for this. Let me stop you there, Jill. The onion model is something that our human factors team are very familiar with. It's a way of digging into the causes behind an incident or error. And we have lists of hundreds of precursors to accidents and incidents that are well beyond those of the individual actor. The intersection is seen as the individual. The outs and outside that come the job. It designed the processes it involves and Beyond that, the organisational factors such as company policies and processes, including how well they're defined, communicated, implemented and supported. So would you like to expand on that for us? Yes, certainly. And it's exactly how we look at it as well. So you're looking at that person at the core, understanding as part of the investigation to understand this is understanding their skills, experience. Have they driven those type of vehicles before? 
and how do they cope with traffic situations that they've been in. And then with that person, it's also understanding those unsafe acts and understanding what those precursors that actually cause that potential in there. So when you look at the person, it's then looking at the types of errors that could occur. So it could be a slip, a lapse or a mistake, which is something that James Reasons used a lot and a lot of safety professionals, and I'm sure your human factors team do as well. It's when we look at the slips, it's that they've not performed an action too soon. For example, in driving, could use the indicators, not the wipers. The lapse, somebody forgets to do something which could be somebody could drive to work in a automatic and then they go into a manual van and they're changing those gears and they're not thinking in the same process to get a lapse. Or it can be a mistake where they think they're doing the right thing but choose the wrong one. And in driving, this can often be impacted through time pressures or perception that they're under time pressures, high workload, etc. And that can also then bring in the coping factors of how they manage a traffic situation, because that can change if they've got other things going on. And these are key elements that we've got to pull out in the people section, as well as we've also got to consider potential violations that people do. Sometimes this person doesn't care about what the consequences are. And this could be speeding as they're running late to get to a meeting. But how much time does that save? If you then have an incident, you're probably not going to make that meeting or going through a red light. Or it could even be that managers haven't actually trained that person correctly. And that's when you start coming into that job part as well. Is the vehicle appropriate for the task you've got to consider as part of the investigation? Where's the environment where they were working? What's the workload that person's got on? Were there clear instructions given to the person about what that job was? Or if it's not clear, is that impacting on them that's causing that slip or lapse whilst they're driving and the inattention? And the inattention is something that really needs to be considered within the investigations. Inattention is about the driver's mind wandered from the driving task for no compelling reason. And this can be for multiple things that needs to be considered. And since the person in the job can have an impact on these. So it could be the environment they're in that they could have a misdirected attention. So things going on, distracting them outside of the vehicle that's caught their attention. We've known that happen. Or internally, when people are using music or they're looking at sat-navs, etc., or dare I even say it, the mobile phone, which even on hands-free, we know can actually cause distractions to people. We know from TRL that when people are measured when they're in a simulator about their distraction from external things or things inside the vehicle, such as music, Apple Play, Android, etc., that the percentage it took them longer to respond to situations outside was over 20 to 30% longer. So these all need to be thought about as when you're looking at that side as well. And also one big thing as well, and I know for the rail sector is very important, is that you do look at the fatigue side. Because in attention, if somebody has got sleep-related attentional impairment, they could be drowsy or fall asleep. And often that is something where people distraction or the fatigue can just take over. So the sleepiness, the inability to stay awake, or the fatigue when they've got sheer exhaustion, which decreases their capacity for physical and mental work. So all of that needs to be looked at as well as, as you say, the organisational part, is there good work planning? Is there lack of safety systems? And then that builds into, as you say, do your policies, procedures, are there safe systems of work? Are they clear and concise for people that need to be looked at in the investigation? As well as also looking at what's the culture of the organisation and also the management culture. Have similar road traffic collisions to this one happened to that 
driver or to others in the same team or those doing other jobs around the country, have they actually not been investigated fully before? Or have they been investigated and the actions identified not been implemented? So there's all of these areas that need to be considered when you're looking at the investigation process of a road traffic collision that takes place. So it's not an easy task, but it's such a worthwhile one to really spend the time pulling out all of these elements and building up a timeline. With your timeline, you'd look at not just the time the incident occurred, but you'd actually go backwards and look at the information available to you. You've got Google Maps if you haven't got cameras in the vans or cars, etc., to be able to see that. Or if you have, brilliant, you could use that footage. And if you've got the telematics data, that will immediately tell you what happened just before the incident occurred. But also you can go back. We always recommend go back about a week because that will actually tell you, has there been any changes in the driving styles of the driver? As that will indicate there could have been something earlier that was an indicator that something was causing them to not be attentive when they were driving. What was that that could have contributed to the actual collision taking place? And by doing this timeline and looking at it, getting your information from your discussions with the driver and the interviews, speaking to other people who may have been witnesses, will all help you put up a picture to fully look at why each stage occurred. And some people say you should only ever ask five whys. I don't agree. I think sometimes you've got to keep going down with those why, why and why and why until you come to the reasons and you can ask no more why questions. And that will ensure you get a really robust investigation undertaken, which will benefit the team, the driver themselves and also the organisation. OK, Jill, thank you very much for that comprehensive answer. Now, you mentioned at the top the golden hour when you need to start talking to your driver and gathering information. If the police have arrived on scene, if there have been serious injuries or fatalities and your driver has been arrested and probably the vehicle impounded, what do you do then? That's a very good question. And the advice that we always give is that what businesses should do is actually advise their drivers what to do if they get in these situations. They talk about what to do in an incident, i.e. do not admit liability, etc., and gather information. But if they are arrested, the best thing they can do is actually that phone call would be to their manager or and they could help them to try and get the legal representation. Alternatively, what we're seeing is some businesses are now giving drivers cards because when you're involved in an incident, your mind will go blank. And I'll speak from personal experience, but I've been involved in a nasty RTC with a drunk driver, that my mind went blank and what I do for a living. And it was only because I had the number in there that I could do something with and I could follow that process because it was put me into a familiarity. And what they do is give their drivers often like the 24-7 if you've got a legal number, or you get them to call their manager who will then contact the legal number and get them legal representation if that is included within the policy and also to raise up through the business because the last thing you want to do is for the drivers to start talking to the police because they could in all innocence say things which could come back at a later date so it's very much what we say is speak to somebody get a solicitor as soon as possible to actually provide you support when you're involved in those incidents as a business the main things that you need if it is under the police, as long as they report it through to your insurer and we can then put all the wheels in motion to actually provide some of that support to people as well, because that is the key part. And if the third parties 
involved if they do you know we talk about credit hire etc but it's those parts of that come after once things start to be investigated is the support your insurers can give you that can actually help you with that claim as well so that's some of the things that we look at so you might not get your driver's statement straight away but you'll get as much information as you can and as we've spoken about if you've got the telematics details they should be on your system the police will probably ask for them as well but it's get those details and that can help you to start the investigation and if you have cameras today most cameras are in cloud-based systems so they will automatically be uploaded and you'll probably find that the police will come and ask for that footage as well thank you jill you've gathered all the information you've completed your investigation what should a company do next Yes, really good question, Ant, because this is what a lot of people do, the investigation and stop. And this is where you need to analyse all the information that you've gathered to allow you to fully understand what happened. And then from there, it's working out, is an action plan needed? Are there changes needed to procedures or are your procedures suitable and sufficient? Is there something for the driver that they need to have in place? And it's understanding all those areas. So building up an action plan, And we often say if it's something around the driver, actually get them to come up with ideas and reasons why things didn't go according to plan and the incident occurred. Because by doing that, they're taking more of the ownership and accountability and then setting the goals for themselves, which you work alongside them to do that, which allows them to reflect. And then those get monitored and managed. And then probably the key here is, which I know is something the business you guys do really strongly is the safety learnings from these incidents are they actually shared amongst others to try and prevent that reoccurrence but also it's identifying so you can share that with people and so others are aware of what's happened and will be able to put in systems educate their drivers as well on what's happened so they can actually prevent them becoming the next statistic and having those collisions Thank you very much, Jill, for taking the time to cover all aspects from beginning to end and putting learnings into action about how to run a successful and useful road traffic collision investigation. Thank you, Anne. It's been a real pleasure to be able to share this with you all as well. I hope it's given some food for thought to those who've listened and will help to reduce the number of incidents that we have while driving on the road for work. So thank you all for listening and in the meantime, stay safe.